Stay tuned for Time to Talk with host Jennifer Graziano of Zion Memorial Chapel and Cox and Graziano Funeral Homes. Jennifer is here to discuss a sensitive subject we all need to talk and think about. Here now is Jennifer Graziano and Time to Talk. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. It's time to talk with me, Jen Graziano. I'm an attorney and licensed funeral director who oversees my family's funeral homes, Cox and Graziano of both Mamaroneck and Greenwich, the Zion Memorial Chapel in Westchester, and now the Fred D. Knapp Funeral Home in Greenwich. I am so happy to be back with you each week. We have come to you discussing important topics and sensitive matters that all of us need to pause and reflect upon at some point. And through this show, I hope to have provided a platform to do so. We'll welcome all of your comments virtually as you can log on to our show via our Facebook page or our website, timetotalkwithjen.com. And it wouldn't be the start of a new year if I didn't kick off with our legal expert, Sal DeCostanza, a partner in the firm Maker, Fregali, and DeCostanza with offices in both Northern and Southern Westchester. Hello, Sal. Welcome back. Hello, Jen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. A little different setup that we're not in studio anymore. We're in virtual studio, but nice to see you nonetheless. But I want to begin, as we do every year, discussing concerns that people really need to think about. Everybody tends to put everything off, and then we use the excuse of the holidays that after the holidays, I'll get to it. After the holidays, I'll think of it. So now we're after the holidays. We're in the start of a new year arguably a new world, a new era. So many concerns to think about today that really didn't plague us years ago or even in recent years. So we want to begin our year with some legal and administrative mindfulness. Uh, But first, introduce yourself to those who might not know you and tell us a bit about your elder law practice. So uh, obviously, my name is Salvatore Di Costanzo. I am an elder law and estate planning attorney here in Westchester County. Uh, I'm also an accountant, so we're about to start getting busy with the tax season. Uh, but as in, a lot of people don't realize what an elder law attorney does. Uh, they think that we only work with the elderly, and that's 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 not true. An elder law attorney and an estate planning attorney sort of do the same thing, right? We draft you know documents, we draft wills, trust, powers of attorney, healthcare proxies. But an elder law attorney's you know concerned with uh, protecting one's assets. Uh, so we add a little bit of a different layer to the to to, to the to the uh, plan where we try to protect, for instance, your house or other assets in case you get sick someday. And we work with disabled individuals. We could be working with disabled children. Uh, we could be working with disabled elderly individuals. We're protecting assets. Uh, you know, we're 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 planning for the for younger uh, generations. So an elder attorney is uh, somewhat of a holistic practice area. Uh, and we've been doing this. I, this isn't my uh, I was admitted to practice law. I graduated in 2000. I was admitted in 2001. So we started to get up there in the years. You're dating yourself, Sal. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I, I'm not I'm not getting older. Um, but no, I think you're right. You it run, your practice runs the gamut because you're also protecting you, the decisions you make will affect generations to come. That's right. So a lot of this is about wealth preservation. Um, preserving generational wealth, making sure everyone is set up in the best possible way, and also making sure that as you age and healthcare needs change and arise, that there is a financial infrastructure in place 
to take care of those needs. You know, when everybody's happy and healthy, no one sees the, the bottom falling out. And yeah. you don't want to live afraid of all these bad things that are going to happen. But the reality is you need to have a plan B in case life doesn't go as planned. Right. So what we want to talk about, we want to start, you raised some, a very interesting concern that I really want to begin with. Um, this whole world of artificial intelligence, AI, that's all we hear. There are so many dangers that, that really accompany this whole concept. And personally, I think the bad always the good, but maybe I'm dating myself there by saying that. But can you talk to us a bit about how AI has impacted the, the elder abuse arena and how these two concepts are tied together, artificial intelligence and the potential for elder abuse. Sure. So, so again, kind of just uh, piggybacking off of, you know, what we do as elder law attorneys, we're not, we're not always drafting a document for somebody, right? We're, we're counselors. We're, we're, we're people that bring advice uh, and our wisdom and our insight to the table to help people. Uh, and I thought it would be very uh, impactful to sort of uh, let our audience know what, what I've been seeing out there as an attorney uh, that, you know, that, that, that's, that's a derivative of, of, of artificial intelligence. So we, we know that artificial intelligence is here. Uh, if you follow uh, artificial intelligence, you follow the stock market, if you follow the financial uh, arena, you know that artificial intelligence is going to pretty much change uh, the way we work today, right? right. It's going mm -hmm. to change society. It's going to change our, our workplace, uh, our workforce, the way we do business. Uh, it, 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 there, 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 there are debates every day about whether it's going to replace uh, talent or if it's going to improve uh, talent. Right. Uh, AI... Uh, is most likely going to make a tremendous impact in the healthcare arena, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that we're we're looking forward to is is advances in technology. Um, you know, a AI performing robotic surgeries, being able to pinpoint a brain tumor that that a, that a regular surgeon might not be able to get to. Uh, these are just amazing leaps uh, of progress that we're going to see with AI. But there's a real risk. With, with AI as well. Um, what, what I've recently seen in my office, I've gotten, I received phone calls from, from, from people. You know, there are these things called uh, uh, phishing, if you would. Uh, uh, phishing scams. Right, phishing scams. Uh, and and there's, there's some other words out there uh, that, that I'm not that familiar with. Um, you probably know them better than I do, Jen. Don't be too sure about that. I need my daughter to turn on my computer for me. So. But uh, I, I received a, a call. Well, let's start with this. You know, when we talk about elder abuse, uh, we're not always talking about physical abuse. Right. Uh, I think when people hear the term elder abuse, they think, oh, oh, oh wow, somebody's being, uh, you know, being assaulted, somebody or, or, or somebody's being physically abused. And, and that, that, that could be true, right? But there's also an element of financial abuse. And more that's, often, you know, probably it's, that's it's probably the trigger. You would think of that first. You have caretakers with access to funds or children that could be raiding funds. Absolutely. There's a huge vulnerability there. That's right. So traditionally, you'd be worried about a caretaker or a family member. But now what's happening uh, is AI is being entered into the mix. 
And so you might get a phone call from your daughter, but it's not really your daughter. Right. Right. So, and, 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 and this is, this has actually happened. Right. And, and, and that, and that's right. Deep fakes is, is the word for this. Uh, and I've had clients call me up where this has happened. They answer the phone. Uh, Hi mom. It's Joan. Right. Joan, everything okay? No, mom. Actually, uh, you know, I'm I I, I was away on, on spring break, um, and I got jammed up. I got I got into some trouble. Uh, you you, you they, they're telling me that you've got to bail me out. And mom hears her daughter on the phone. Doesn't think anything otherwise. It sounds like her. Yeah, the voices. The voices absolutely identifiable. And yeah. she provides information regarding wiring funds. Mom does it. She goes to her bank. She wires the funds, and it turns out that it was one big scam. Uh, this is real. This is real. Yeah. Um, and you've and it's impacted. You know, this is it, it's real. You've had clients sit in your office. I, I had a client a month ago. Well, she wasn't a client. I had a colleague of mine call me to tell me about a family member who actually transferred one point one million dollars, or actually just gave away. $1.1 million in connection with one big scam. And, and what is the recourse? So there is, I, I, I don't want to be as bold, so bold to say there is no recourse, but it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. So what you have here is um, you can't, you, you can't find these people. Right. right? They're, often they're in another country. So we have no jurisdiction over that country. And to get jurisdiction over these individuals is an extremely difficult task. The mm -hmm. attorney's office, I actually had a, a very brief conversation with the district attorney's office. And, and, and we've got an amazing um, you know, district attorney's office and even the attorney general's office I had a brief uh, conversation with. And, 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 and they've got task force, but it's, it's, you don't necessarily have somebody with boots on the ground where somebody's breaking into your house and you've got a video of that person. Right. right. right? It's all. No, and it's a whole new, and it also, you know, we're going to open up a Pandora's box here, but cybersecurity, um, cyber crimes, even, you know, yeah. funeral homes are all connected by, there's one like major answering service that covers us all. And a few months ago, we were subject to a cyber attack where basically someone from another country is holding, it's besieging this, this outlet of, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of funeral homes all on this server and crippled, crippled the industry for, for days. I mean, we obviously all took measures, but when you see the catastrophic impact that this can have, and again, there's no place to pinpoint actual accountability. I mean, you're not, like you said, there's no boots on the ground. These are crimes that cannot readily be addressed or, or given recourse for but it's all connected. This artificial intelligence, this site, we are dealing with, you know, non-visible threats that could really, they, they could, they, especially, you know, if it could happen to any of us, you think of a vulnerable population of the elderly, you see how this is so frightening. But the question is, how do you combat against that? Well, so in that's- pre In preparing your clients. Right, so so the first the first step is awareness. Right? Okay. Uh, you know, I just had this conversation with my dad the other day. You know, most of the elderly have no clue what this is. 
and not because they're elderly. And I, I'm not. I, I hope we're not using the term elderly inappropriately. Um, but I just, know it's not in a pejorative sense, but it's just you know, it's a different. I, 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 I barely, right. I barely know about this. I can barely figure some of the stuff out. Me right? as well. Totally, I'm you with know. you. So the, the you know the, the more senior generations, let's not call call them elderly, but the more senior generations, completely you know have their wits about them, right? Um, but this is foreign. So the first step is awareness. The first step is awareness to 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 really really take a pause. If you get a, a phone call from somebody that you don't recognize, you know uh, your 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 cell phone lights up scam uh, or spam. I'm, I'm actually getting a spammer's call yeah. at the moment. It is good how it does that don't, for you. It'll don't answer spammers. those phone calls because if you answer those phone calls, you they may be retrieving information about you. Yeah. Yeah. So if you answer, so 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 the first step is awareness. So when we talk about how we advise people, don't answer those phone calls. Don't click on a Facebook post. So the, the, we we saw this the other day, right? Uh, a friend of mine posted on Facebook. That it, it almost looked like he 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 passed away or somebody he knew passed away. His name was tagged in a Facebook post, and there was a picture of an automobile accident. Don't click on that. You have to revert to secondary resources, tertiary resources. So when you when you click on that Facebook post, you're you're opening up your 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 phone and your data to these phishing scams where they pull your data and then that's when they start hacking your credit cards and, and, and your identity and things like that. Yeah. And again, that's advice that we're not, not even target targeting an older population. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something for, for any age. And I, and I think especially younger, like teenagers and, you know, tweenagers, even like them, them specifically, they'll just click anything that, that's, right. that's so, I mean, that's just a, a general blanket statement and no matter what age you are, don't expose yourself. That's right. That's right. Um, but you, for, for our, our, our clients, you, you need to be in a position to, in my opinion, do a couple things. Number one, recognize the issue. If you get that phone call from your daughter and it just sounds funny, maybe you should then text your daughter. Yeah. Right? If or I hang up and call and call her back right, directly. Hang up or call back. You have to start thinking about, you know, alternative, especially if it's a heightened, you know, if you know your daughter is away on a vacation and you get some crazy phone call like that, you know, maybe maybe that's what I know it sounds crazy, but maybe that's what you need to do. Um, ask her to text you the information or something like that. I don't know if these are absolutes, but they're 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 I called the bank the other day. The bank had stopped uh payment on one of my 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 I tried to pay a bill electronically and, 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 and the bank was just, you know, doing their thing and they, they thought it was fraud. And so I called home. I said, no, I really did try to pay that bill. Before I can even have that conversation, they texted me and then made me hang up the phone and called me back. And then when they called me back, they asked me three questions that I had to answer correctly. Mm -hmm. There were three lines of defense that the bank implemented before we had that conversation. So we need to start being more prudent about taking phone calls. But from an estate planning perspective, right, uh, you need to have the right people around you to help. And so that means that starts with drafting a power of attorney, right? If you have children or if you have another loved one or if you have nieces and nephews or whoever it may be, somebody has got to be in a position to help you out if you don't recognize 
the gravamen of the situation that you might be in. One of the things that our clients do, or not our clients, but prior to they come prior to becoming our clients, there's the, there's still the, this this the, the, this stigma about not telling the next generation what your assets are. And not- I, I just had that conversation with a friend yesterday. She was so frustrated um, that she has a parent not well, and he's just so resistant to bring her in the bring her in the legal framework because there's this fear. I don't want anyone to take my money. And there's also a fear of loss of independence. There's such a psychological component. To I get all it. Of this. I get it. But that's got, that's, that's got to be worked through because yeah. nothing good comes out of not disclosing your, your financial predicament to your kids, to your spouse. The, the worst cases that come into my office are, are when, and Jen, you've seen plenty of these when somebody dies Let's just say the husband passed away and, and the wife comes into us and says, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. You know? And it's and it's common. I mean, it's this is not and we and far between. It's, it's right. a really common scenario. And we ordinarily can work through it with the wife because she's got, you know, access to the information. But, right, when but the, then what happens when she passes? Yeah, when she, the kids come in. The kids, they have their own careers. They've got their own families. I've seen estates just kind of fizzle out, in, you know, in, into nothing. And there right. are assets there because the kids just don't have the ability to, to handle what's going on. So our advice to our clients is, and this all ties together, is put together a statement of net worth. Put together a list of assets that you own. Put together a list of your usernames and passwords to all of your accounts. We just had a case in the office. It's not necessarily in the office. It's tangential to the office. A young woman just passed away. Uh, very young, uh, and her husband can't get into her her her, her Facebook. She he can't get into Apple. All of her passwords used. Everything is on her phone, and nobody can get into this. That is actually, you know what, Sal? It's very interesting because it, this is something that's come up in my line of work frequently in the past few months, where people needed to access a phone. And they're asking if we can hold the phone up to the decedent's face. Mm -hmm. And there's an issue with facial recognition, which I've learned recently, that if you have not activated the phone in days, so if you haven't turned your cell phone on in days, facial recognition will not work. Mm -hmm. Because it has to be, either it works in conjunction with the manual passcode as well. So I've watched three families go through this in the past four or five months. So as much as you want to keep your life protected and you're not looking to share all your your secrets there's something to be said to having a your trusted fiduciary whoever that may be and with access to whatever they have access to also creating a list of passwords or kind of you know where to find this where to find that and centralizing these documents that god forbid of anything this trusted individual it doesn't even have to be a family member. It's just a trusted individual can have the proper access. God forbid the time is needed. Well, it's better to share your information with those that you trust than to share it with unknowns. Uh, agreed. Agreed. But I get, again, I think it comes down to the psychology of everyone wants to maintain independence. Um, you don't want to let all the cats out of the bag. It's a it's a dichotomy between needing someone's help as we age and then not wanting to let go of the autonomy, which it's 
I, I respect the struggle and I, I can understand it, but what you and I both see happen is when tragedy strikes or the unforeseen happens, there's no, what do you do when there's no plan in place? That's right. That's right. And we don't want to get to that point. Right. Right. And you know, the, you know, the time you're never too young to think about this. I optimally, you know, once you have kids, no matter what age you are, I think that should put you in a mindset of, how am I protecting them? How am I ensuring the future if I'm not here? I mean, hard thoughts to have, but I think part of being a good parent is always, you know, being ready for the unknown. Are you starting? Do you advocate for your for clients to come in younger? I mean, people. Absolutely. I'm sure it's very stigmatic that you deal with an older population, but I, it's, it's probably wise for you to have a good base of clients in their 40s. I would say, Absolutely. 30s or 40s. It's it's a misnomer. We we. We work with all generations. I mean, admittedly, you know, kids in their 20s are not coming into us, but they should. They, they need powers of attorney. They need help. Right. Uh, 30s, you, you, you know, you, you should be in my office because you probably have children. You probably have babies. Uh, and there's planning that needs to be done for, for, for that, right? God forbid. I mean, we just heard about it over, I think, Thanksgiving. Uh, husband and wife uh, died in a car accident coming down from Connecticut. They live in Scarsdale. And they were they left behind, I think, three children. So right. that like you don't you don't know if it's gonna be you. And I'm not gonna sit here and tell you what the probability is that it could be you. The fact of the matter is it's possible. You talk about probability versus possibility. It's right. possible that any of this can happen to any one of us. So right. in your 30s, you should have proper documents. In your 40s, you probably got you know, you, you've got your feet underneath you, you're moving along in your career. By all means, you should be drafting an estate plan. When you get into your 50s uh, and 60s, you're already starting to think about like, you know, long-term care, the future, whatever the case is. And that brings in a whole new dynamic. This is all elder law, right? Every generation has its identity. And every generation needs the services of an elder law attorney. There's no such thing as waiting. And don't put your head in the sand like a lot of people do and kick the can down the road and say, well, my kids will take care of it or I'll deal with it tomorrow. Uh, right. There may not be a tomorrow uh, right. world of long-term care planning. You, you know, you don't know when you're going to get sick. And if you get sick and you don't have the right, you know, documents in order, it just turns into a disaster. Or if you die and, and you haven't put together your estate and disclosed your affairs to your children or anybody for that matter uh, that you trust, it's just a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. We cringe when those estates come in. Very true. I always say, even from my perspective, um, and I will say in recent years and a lot of the outreach that Sally, you and I have done together to, to raise awareness to these conversations, you, I do see a lot more people coming into pre-plan and, and there's so much fear and trepidation to come in, but it's so funny. Everybody leaves with the same, oh, thank God we did this. This wasn't that bad. Um, so with all that said, what are the key documents that, that you know, any functioning adult, regardless of age, if you know, we're 40s or 60s or 70s, what are the key documents that one must have? And then explain why it's important to be dealing with an elder attorney to draft them. Well, at a very basic level, which is not so basic, a power of attorney, that is probably one of the most important documents that you can have. Well, then stop there and explain why, yeah, not we generic. talking about a last will, a testament, or a trust, whether it's revocable or irrevocable, you and I've done sessions on revocable versus irrevocable. A power of attorney is a is a is a document that allows someone 
to handle your finances if you are unable to do so. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to lose your capacity. When you sign a power of attorney, if you sign a power of attorney today, and if I do it today and I appoint you, Jen, to be my agent, you can walk into the bank tomorrow and handle my finances. So that's very powerful, no pun intended. That needs to be thought through. But if we don't have that document in place and I happen to have a stroke or I lose my capacity for some other reason, or I just don't understand, right? And this is what we started this conversation about. So many of the senior generations, they have their capacity. They, they just don't understand the financial arena. They don't understand the phone call that they just received. They don't understand the letter that they just got in the mail. Right. This is every day as we work, especially in our generation, Jen, work with our aging parents. You need to have a power of attorney to be able to deliver to somebody and say, now you're going to talk to me. Now you're going to talk to me and not my dad. But again, the proper drafting of that agreement, there's so much access online to legal templates, no. but it's not the same. No. And that's another point I want to make about artificial intelligence. They talk about this chat GPT and people are saying, and, 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 and I've tried it out and it's quite amazing. Uh, so I'll give you a personal example. Al, write, don't go to the dark side. Come no, on. no, no, I won't. <laughs> I, I, I write blogs, as you know. And yeah, um, I, I, I asked ChatGPT to write me a blog in 300 words or less on the benefits of a revocable trust. In a split second, like less than 15 seconds, uh, it gave me a 300-word blog on, on the benefits of a revocable trust. Now, I read it. it it's a decent marketing piece. It's not my style of writing. Right. Right? That's number one. It's not my style of writing. And there were some things that sort of didn't really make sense. Okay. But I won't be using chat GPT, you know, for, for the writing of my blogs. Good but to know, Sal. I'm people, check are coming, people are coming to me and they're saying, well, why can't I draft my will using chat GPT? Oh my God. That's so scary. Right. And they're saying, well, why can't I do my financial planning using oh. chat GPT? Because you, you still need a live – ChatGPT is not going to be able to decipher whether it makes sense to do a revocable or an irrevocable trust. Right. ChatGPT is not going to know what modifications to put into your power of attorney. You just asked why should we not draft a power of attorney on the internet, you know, because we modify the form that you find on the internet. We put bells and whistles into the power of attorney that's right. not a standard form. Right. ChatGPT is not going to know that. So – the problem out there is that people think that they're protected. People think that they've done their planning and they have not. So we don't want to rely on artificial intelligence to take the role of an estate planning attorney to start drafting estate planning documents. Sal, as our time, as always, our time gets cut short, but you have a wonderful website. It's a great resource. Can you share that with listeners and viewers today? Sure. So the, our plan, our, our website is planned today for tomorrow. And, uh, you know, there's plenty of blogs on that website that you could, you know, find and read. Um, and, you know, uh, if you wanted to get in touch with us, it's uh, our phone number is 914-925-1010. I have an office in Rye, but also in Yorktown Heights. Um, and, and I've got a full staff. Um, and, you know, we're happy to answer questions. So what final message would you leave with our audience today, Sal? In, um, in 2024, I, I, I think there's got to be a, a, a super awareness. People need to start 
becoming much more aware of, of their surroundings, of their financial predicament. Uh, clearly, just like everybody goes to the gym in January, you should be probably putting it on the top of your list to sit down with an elder law attorney to, to talk about your estate planning. Uh, but we, we live in, in, in a changing world for real. Uh, and, and, and I believe that it's going to be changing significantly over the next year plus. I agree. Based Scary. on what I've seen so far with, you know, some of these scams and uh, these deep fake scams and everything, people just need to be super, super diligent. It's so true. Yeah. Hypervigilance, preparedness is key. And as always, uh, I highly recommend plantodayfortomorrow.com with our legal expert, Southie Costanzo. Thank you so much for Thank all you. the light that you shed on these difficult situations. But our message is always, it's not left to a general practitioner. Really speak to an expert when you're dealing with estate planning and Absolutely. elder law issues. Yes. So that you are, Sal. Thank you for your time. Good to see you. You too. And this is Jen Graziano thanking you for taking the time to listen as we took the time to talk. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.